It's time for episode 367 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's always 30 minute details. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across this internet of ours by my good friend, my co-host, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? Oh, I am doing exceptionally well, Dan. Thank you for asking. Hope uh, you are as well. I am doing pretty well, and I, I'm saying that because we have two fantastic guests with us this week. To my left, it is the uh, host of Material and All About Android and a writer for several tech outlets. It's Florence Ion. Welcome back, Flo. Hi, everybody. How you doing? We're doing great. We're glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And we are also glad that to my left is the CRO at Art19 and uh, a podcaster of sorts, for sure. <laughs> it is Lex Friedman. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Lex. Thanks for having me again. It's an honor. Podcaster of sorts, indeed. Uh, well, let's get this show started. I'll kick things off with our first of our four, te- uh, four tech topics. Apple announced an event for next week at which we're all expecting new iPhones. I'm curious uh, what new phone feature or alternatively, what other potential announcement are you most interested in? And Flo, I'm putting you on the spot by having you start off here because I know you're a resident mm-hmm. Android expert. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, from the other side of the aisle, what has you interested? Well, I'm just really appreciating you all letting me know that there's an event because <laughs> <laughs> that totally cr- did not cross my mind. Um, but I will say, I, uh, I think what Apple has done really well is set the precedent for what Google and the rest of the Android sphere needs to do. And I think one way that we really saw Apple do that this year in particular is with the iPhone SE. Now, I know that this event is probably for something a little more uh, in the higher tier, but I'm very curious to see, yes, what features come through, what Apple really puts an emphasis on. Um, We had our Pixel 5, our Pixel event last week for uh, the Google folks, and um, a lot of the announcements that excited us were really the other things that were announced alongside the phone. Uh, I'm you know, looking for, I guess I'm just looking for something fresh, especially with this year, because there have been so many phones that have been announced and it just feels, it just feels so tepid, uh, mm. just from the outside and the inside. So I'm, I'm just hoping for, for a bit of a splash. Uh, I gotta agree with Flo. I think Flo put it perfectly. Um, I have been, uh, following a lot of the stuff uh, with the Pixel event and kind of uh, in talking on Tech News Weekly and then later on Smart Tech Today about uh, the Pixel event, folks aren't super, super jazzed or excited about the Pixel 5 and more are excited about the new Nest Audio and some of the other stuff that was announced there. And I kind of get that way with phones these days. Um, you know, I, I know we're supposed to get new cameras and the new processor and this and that. But at this point, I find myself struggling typically to 
find things within these devices to say, this is what sets it apart, and this is what makes it so fun and exciting. <laughs> and so, yeah, I am looking forward to the, uh, you know, what's what else is going to be announced outside of the phones, which we kind of all know uh, will be some slab of glass and metal and will be an iteration on current designs. So we'll see, unless they come out with another green one, in which case I'll, of course, be excited. <laughs> Lex, what are your thoughts? Well, first, I hope that whatever new phone they release um, does even better slow fees than the current <laughs> set of phones do, because that feature really blew up. Uh, in seriousness, like what I want them to announce, not necessarily what I expect them to announce, but what would like be exciting to me as a person who typically upgrades my iPhone every year is if they said like, hey, we've made incredible improvements in battery life. What used to be one day's worth of battery life is now two, right? <laughs> like we've, we've only focused on that. I'd be excited just on that. Um, what I expect is that they'll have, you know, still more camera improvements. I hope they don't talk more about uh, slow motion selfies because I don't think that that caught on the way they expected <laughs> but I would love to see like a way better camera I think they've done significant improvements to the camera every iteration um, and I love things like portrait mode but portrait mode is slow and uh, you know I think that companies like Google have been doing a good job of keeping competitive with how they take photos in the dark and whatnot so I'd like to see that go uh, better and better I'm curious to see in the non-iPhone side of announcements what the growing AirPod ecosystem will look like. Um, and then I, as as Dan knows from the rebound, I would really like to see the iPad mini that they already announced to go on sale. So those are the things that I'm most excited about seeing happen at Apple's next event. I think, um, Flo, you put it interestingly, and maybe uh, another topic on this could be something about how, I guess, phones have gotten really so mature as a platform that the things that we are excited about um, are fewer and farther between now. Um, because I think that's a great point. Like even going from the iPhone, you know, 10s to the iPhone uh, 11 Pro last year felt like a, it was nice, but it wasn't like a, a huge mind blowing upgrade. Uh, I think Lex is, is definitely right that we'll see some camera updates and I'm sure Apple will want to talk much more about whatever new processor it's putting in the iPhone. And we can expect to see that sort of propagate throughout the, the Apple device lineup as it moves more of its stuff to Apple Silicon. Um, the things that I'm actually interested in, and I would tend to agree, are, are less about the phone than they are about what else Apple's going to talk about. In addition to the AirPod stuff that Lex mentioned, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do with this rumor of a cheaper, smaller HomePod, because that, that's another place that hasn't Apple hasn't really captured the market in the way that I think it, it, it thought it would. Uh, and so trying to make another foray into that smart speaker stuff, especially as we just had the Nest Audio announcements from last week. I think it may put a little more light on like how how is the state of that particular market going right now? What is competitive? How does Apple see its position there? Is it focused on sound? Is it focused on on like smarts? Like what what is the deal there? So I'm I'm intrigued to see how they announce that and what they think its place in the market is. But on the phone side, yeah, it feel I feel weirdly lackluster about it this year, but I'm hopeful that there will be something interesting to blow us away. Thanks for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our second topic, which comes flow. All right. So I already mentioned Google announced some new stuff last week, including a new Chromecast with the revamped Google TV. And now it's great. It's 50 bucks for the whole assistant led TV setup. But as I was setting up my review unit and putting in my credentials for all the streaming accounts, I realized <laughs> I pay too much. Currently, I am paying around $80 for YouTube TV, which is kind of the marquee of the Google TV ecosystem. It gives me live streaming TV, unlimited DVR, and all the channels I could want. This includes HBO. But 
the problem here is that I have all the channels I want and I'm paying for ones I don't. Uh, bless you sports fans, but I don't need every NFL channel, tennis channel, baseball channel, soccer channel. I don't even want the cable news channel on either end of the political spectrum. I thought we were going to have a pay for what you want future, but instead I'm sitting here like a sucker, not only paying for cable, I'm also paying for other streaming services. So is this it? Did we get duped into paying for cable TV all over again? And do we really feel like this is the way that we're going to be consuming TV going forward? Oh, this is such a fantastic topic because I, so my partner now is a big Walking Dead fan and, you know, kind of begged me, please, let's watch this show together. I've watched all of these Star Treks for you. Um, and so I said, okay, fine. And I actually was able to get into it, uh, the characters and stuff like that. Well, the most recent, um, the most recent episodes have been coming out, and AMC, of course, is the the company or the the production facility that makes these. And it is nearly impossible up to this point to be able to have an AMC subscription without some sort of cable or streaming uh, uh, cord cutting service of some sort. And it was very frustrating because, yeah, I was going to be spending like 90 bucks a month just because I wanted to watch this one show. And so it made more sense to just buy that iTunes season pass and call it a day. Um, And so for the longest time, I've had this complaint But genuinely, uh, Apple TV has improved upon its experience with the introduction of Apple TV channels. And uh, for the longest time, if you wanted to get on-demand content from AMC, you had to have an AMC Plus subscription, which you could only have if you logged in with your cable provider. But somehow, uh, Eddie Q and his uh, ridiculous shirts were able to get a deal with AMC, and AMC Plus is now available on Apple TV channels as a, I think, $5.99 a month subscription or something like that, and you don't have to log in with a cable provider. So Apple continues to add these uh things that these premium services that kind of used to be tucked behind logging in with a cable provider. And so I really do feel like we're on the cusp now of not having to pay for cable. And I hope that comes because I'm with you there too, Flo. I love you sports people. And I love that you love your sports. It's not for me. (laughs) And so I really don't want to pay that uh, cable package fee to be able to get live stuff because I typically just want to stream it after it's already available. Lex, what are your thoughts? Every year, uh, my cable deal expires with my cable company on February 14th. <laughs> so every year, <laughs> I have a romantic answer. conversation with them where I say, I'd like to cancel. And they say, okay, if you cancel, then your uh, internet bill and phone bill will increase by this amount. Now, I don't want the phone line, but I've given up that fight in my house, in my marriage. <laughs> we have a phone line. That's just asking me. Uh, but every year, if I try to cancel cable, they say, we'll, we'll charge you more. So right now, uh, we use... Um, Disney Plus and HBO Max, both of which we got on, you know, you bought for a year or a couple years and got it at a discounted rate in advance. Uh, Netflix, which is currently paid for by T-Mobile, <laughs> Amazon Prime, <laughs> which I pay for, Apple TV, which Apple pays for, and then Hulu, which we did with the um, a Black Friday deal where it was $1 a month for a year. Um, and you get ads and stuff. And that's too many services, but I do use most of them. Amazon Prime, I don't really have for the Amazon Prime shows. I have it for all the other stuff and then occasionally watch Amazon shows. Yeah. Uh, but it's too much. And I think it's very frustrating to Flo's initial point that YouTube TV and others 
Sling TV to an extent are trying to recreate the cable company model versus saying, tell us which things you want and just pay for those. <laughs> just pay for those channels, just pay for that, whatever. And understand what their business model is versus what I want their consumer friendlier model to be. Now, I do want sports, but only one sport. I only care about football uh, because I'm a flawed human being. And uh, every time I get ready to cancel cable, that's the one thing that I worry about because I watch or care about a team that I don't get local sports channels for since I live in the New Jersey slash New York TV broadcast area, but root for a Philadelphia-based team. Um, I'm not going to say which team it is, though. It's in the NFL, and they play in Philadelphia. And uh, so that is my ongoing frustration. The the, the whole world, that's it. The whole world of this stuff uh, sucks. And I'm going to put in a a side pick, which is that I, I, all streaming devices annoy me in different ways, but the TiVo Stream 4K annoys me the least. And it's like probably the least popular of all streaming set-top devices. And it's the one that actually I think, uh, is, is the least annoying. So I'm putting that out there. You guys ever see, uh, uh, the tagline for the alien versus predator movie? (laughs) Because it's relevant. No, what is it? It's whoever wins, we lose, which is kind of how I feel about this situation, <laughs> which is when all the cable companies controlled everything, we still lost because we had to pay for these huge bundles that include all the stuff we didn't want. And the cable companies were basically, you know, mostly had monopolies in their respective markets. And so we paid whatever they told us to pay. Uh, now we've got streaming. And while we don't have the monopolistic cable companies telling us what to pay, we have everything fractured into so many bundles that we have to like go around and collect all the pieces like we're doing a scavenger hunt uh, just mm. to get the shows that we want to watch. So I feel like it has changed and is in some ways better, but in some ways it's not really an improvement. Like Lex and most of you, I have a bunch of different services, too many to list here. Uh, I never subscribed to cable TV. I always just went internet only because I didn't watch enough broadcast channels and stuff to feel like it was worth it. I will say the biggest improvement has been the fact that you can kind of now cancel uh, networks or streaming services when there's no shows on that you want to watch. But of course, they're combating that by trying to spread out all the shows you want to watch, where like CBS All Access will now have a Star Trek show basically at any given time. So you can't be like, oh, I've watched the one Star Trek show. I can cancel for 10 months until it comes back. No, now there's always a Star Trek show. (laughs) So yeah, I guess I think I would come around to your uh, your sort of initial question flow and like say we are basically yes paying for cable all over again just in a different means. Any quick thoughts well, to wrap us up here? I'm really glad I was able to give everybody a soapbox for this because it seems <laughs> like it's something that is really you yes. know affecting all of us. Um, but you know I will continue to pay for cable until Andy Cohen comes out and says flow here's an all Bravo show network that you could just pay for. <laughs> That's really what I need, Andy Cohen. So get to it. I want to give you my money. There we go. (laughs) All right. That's two topics down, which, of course, means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Teamistry, a podcast that tells the stories of teams who work together in new and unexpected ways to achieve remarkable things. Each episode of Teamistry tells a story. And in each story, you'll find practical lessons for your team and your business. This season, the show travels deep into the underwater caves of northern Thailand to discover how divers, medics, soldiers, and volunteers freed a group of trapped teenagers. Explains how a world-renowned watch company pitted their two factories against each other in an attempt to become the best watchmaker in the world. And it finds out how Iceland went from having one of the highest COVID-19 death rates in Scandinavia to an interesting example of how to deal with the virus. Discover stories that entertain packed with business cases that you can actually use. Season 2 of Team History is out now, and it's hosted by award-winning documentary filmmaker Gabriella Copperthwaite, the director of Blackfish. I got a sneak peek 
of season two of Team Mystery. I listened to an episode on a, a software platform called Wildbook, which allows people to sort of almost crowdsource um, spottings of endangered species. And they talk particularly about this particular um, breed of zebras that is endangered in Africa and how they use all these photos and stuff to sort of tag the animals and identify them and know much more about their habits in an attempt to uh, you know, basically stave off the the threats uh, approaching this this particular species. So uh, it was a really interesting um, look into how this team deals with this problem and how you can sort of expand even perhaps what your definition of a team is. Search for Team Mystery anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can find the link in the show notes. Our thanks to Team Mystery for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what do you got for us? I'm curious, do you, would you call yourself an early adopter or do you typically let others do the early tech tests before settling in with what was once new? Lex, we'll start with you. I guess I'm going to go that it depends on how excited I am about the thing. If it's a thing that I want, I don't wait uh, most of the time, especially if it's what I would call gadget style, right? Like if it's like, here's a new um, Wasn't that Psy? smart device Didn't Psy sing that song? thing. Oh yes. Uh, then um, I'm interested. But... Like when Apple initially releases uh, ARM-based Macs, I don't want to be first in line. I don't want to be the early adopter for stuff that I think could have um, challenges that uh, in at scale, at scaled use, uh, would annoy me or slow me down. But if it's just something that's cool or fun or additive, then yeah, I, I don't mind being first in line at all. Uh, because I want to amortize my enjoyment of the new thing over as long a time as possible. So uh, the sooner I have it, the sooner I can start that amortization of enjoyment process. So I like to be early and I, I, I definitely have friends who come to me for advice, like, should I get this thing or what is this thing? And so yeah, kind of have to buy this stuff. Like we're doing a, a disservice, Micah, if we don't go out and buy these <laughs> things, then how will we tell our friends if they're any good? But I, I, I like to be on the early side, uh, unless it's something that's really pricey, then I'd rather have other people test it first. I like your use of the word amateurization. It's truly the most CRO answer of that question. <laughs> uh, I tend to be an early adopter. I I think it, for me, it depends much more on the price. And as Lex said, how excited slash how much I need the thing in question. I will probably be first in line to buy a Sil- Apple Silicon Mac because my old laptop is dying and I'm very excited for the possibilities in the new one. And I don't it's not critical enough to my workflow these days uh, because I work at home, as we all do, so that, you know, we, uh, if it breaks or something doesn't work right, that it will really impact my overall productivity. Um, and so, my, in that point, my curiosity is outweighed by my, or my curiosity outweighs my practical considerations there. That said, there are fewer and fewer things I feel like as time goes by where I am that excited about early adopting things. It still tends to be the case with things like software updates. You know, I'm almost always on the the latest iOS and I run the betas and stuff like that just because I always want to see what's new and because I write about it. Um, And I tend to be the person who other people turn to, as Lex mentioned, for input on what exactly is new and what's cool and what things should be adopted. So I definitely do think of myself more as an early adopter than not. I've been trying to think about how to answer this. I feel like if it weren't for the job that I had, the career that I've gotten into, I would have maybe had a very different uh, consumption sort of lifestyle. Uh, Because of where I'm at, I tend to adopt things early because I want to, you know, be able to give people advice and be able to tell people my opinion about things. But then I think about the things that I don't cover. Um, And 
The truth is I tend to be kind of a person that just sits back sits back and waits for everybody else's experience. I like to see the problems people have run into before I kind of bring it into my life. I think there's only a couple of things that I'm really uh you know gung ho about the minute they come out. For instance, uh, phones. Um, The Pixel phones I used to be really excited about because I knew what I was getting in that product versus other phones like from Samsung. They have their folding phones. Not something I'm willing to adopt, but that's also because it's just such an exorbitant price tag. So yeah, I guess I'm waffling on this one because (laughs) tech is fun. But it it really depends on how your wallet is doing at any any time period. So it fluctuates. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a incredibly fair for sure. Um, I think this best describes my feeling about it. Give me your betas, your alphas, your huddled prototypes yearning to be tested, the buggy gadgets of your testing facilities. Send these, the new techie tossed to me. I lift my forefinger beside the giant glass door. Thank you. Wow. Wow. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our final topic, which comes from Lex. Okay. Uh, My question is, what smart home stuff do you use the most? Maybe you were an early adopter on it, maybe you weren't. But what smart home objects do you use the most? And are there any things in your household that you wish were smart? (laughs) Not family members, they don't count. Any devices, any things that you wish you could have smarter versions of? I mean, I wish my Echo were smarter, like, all the time. I still use it, but it drives me bananas sometimes. Um, I think the smart home stuff I use the most is probably smart lights. I have a number of Philips Hue bulbs installed uh, in my apartment, and my wife and I, you know, use them every day, whether it's using, like, one of the physical switches that we have connected to it or using a voice assistant to turn them on or using our phones or whatever. So that, that pretty much consistently gets used. Uh, as I mentioned, the Echo, we have uh, two Echoes in the house, and we use those pretty much all the time as much as we get frustrated and yell at them a lot. And then the other thing that I really like is I have a Harmony, um, uh, I can't remember, the Harmony uh, Hub, which I use to control my TV with a universal remote, but which can also be controlled via voice assistant or phone. So I like all those things. The thing that is most lacking in smarts, although it is one of my most beloved appliances, is my T-Robot, the automatic tea maker. Uh, And I love it because, you know, essentially I can set it the night before and set it all up and have it make tea on a schedule. But there are days where I don't, you know, I don't know when I'm getting up and it only keeps my tea warm for an hour. And it's like, it'd be great if I could just pull out my phone and say like, yeah, I'm going to get up in about 10 minutes. I'm going to start it now. So I wish there were an option to make that a little smarter. Unfortunately, it's a little bit complex to add that on after the fact. So I, too, am also a huge user of smart lights. Um, I've got plenty in in most of the rooms in the house. I have a smart washer and dryer, so that's nice to know when to go into the garage. Um, I have smart displays in the kitchen. I have a connected alarm clock, which is wonderful. I have smart locks on several doors. Um, I have smart sprinklers. I have smart smoke detectors, which are currently broken because the sensors are too dirty from the smoke. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) This is true. Uh, Now, I would love to get like a connected coffee machine, but I am a French press user, so Mm. I don't think there's a way to do that without a robotic arm. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually would. I know this sounds silly, but I would love a connected garage door opener. Because oh, I just feel so like that good. would solve a lot of issues uh, in my anxious brain. I just mm-hmm. want to know it's closed. But truly, but truly, 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 uh, the thing I ha- have had to come to terms with lately is that there are too many smart things in the house. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I really need to do is actually cut back. 
<laughs> so it took me a while to work up the desire to install it. But once I did, the smart thing I use the most is my smart thermostat. Um, I have brought that with me to every place I've moved to and always end up installing it and being so happy once I have. Um, it's just great to be able to control the um, AC or heat when I need to. Uh, I also would say, Flo, my... My garage door opener, smart garage door opener, is one of my favorite things for exactly that anxiety brain. Um, As far as something that I would want to be smart, um, I keep eyeballing and maybe there's a world where I'm foolish enough and desiring happiness enough to purchase it, but it's spin spinn.com, a spin coffee maker that is a smart coffee maker that actually is the right kind of smart and is not trying to be a uh, DRM sort of ink printer issue deal. It is a legit smart coffee maker. So yeah, that one definitely for me. Uh, All righty, Lex, why don't you round us out? I mean, I I have a lot of smart stuff, thermostats, uh, light switches, outlets, uh, echoes that like Dan said, if the echoes worked better, they'd probably be my favorite of all these things, but they don't especially the ones that sonos puts out with lx integration they're terrible um smoke detectors um i the things that i think about are well i have a a, a casa outdoor smart plug that i love because i've used various mechanical outdoor light timers for a long time and they're all terrible and the the casa ones where it's just like it's basically just an outlet that you plug in that's good for outdoor use and it, it doesn't just let you set things by time and i don't have to go to like if this then that integrations you can literally just say right in its app hey turn on at sundown <laughs> and uh, that makes me so happy because that's exactly what i want those lights to turn on mm-hmm. um so i like that a lot that's probably the one that makes me the most joy is uh, outside the smart smoke detectors which i just feel like are, are taking care of me my car i would say is fairly smart and is a thing i thought i would never need but i really appreciate that i can talk to my car from my phone it always talks back i think the things that i wish were smart that aren't one is i i need dan now to send me information on his t robot but two i uh i want my tv to be smarter in a different way and there are all kinds of smart connected tv devices uh, but like dan i use a thing that you know puts all my tv stuff together he's using the harmony hub i use a, a device called Cavo, which is mediocre but you always have to find a remote or use your phone and switch to the right app to talk to those things and i want to be able to just talk to my tv sometimes and say hey tv turn off now or hey tv back it up like having to find a thing to do that seems annoying when everything else around me is smart is to just be able to figure it out and so that's what i wish were smarter all right, that's four topics down. Four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic today. But before we get to that, I want Micah to tell you just really quick about our other sponsor today. Yes, I'm so excited and smiling because this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Text Expander from our pals at Smile. Listen, you can take your time back with the power of Text Expander. Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers, they're all taking precious time away from you. And if you've got one, your team. With Text Expander, you can take it back. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprises and individuals, so you can track how much time your team saves. 
What is Text Expander? What can you do with it? Well, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current in yourself the same way. Share your text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track. Everyone will share the same messages and give the same answers to customer questions. You can work faster and smarter. Use Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. Create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. Keep your whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language. Plus, share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. Uh, I just had to get a new MacBook Pro, and uh, right after one password was installed, I installed Text Expander by Smile. It is one of the things that gets installed almost before anything else because I just I think in snippets and so I go to type my little snippet out and if it doesn't happen I'm like why is this machine broken I love text expander because it just saves so much time clearly that it's become muscle memory for me to type these snippets in shows how much I use them every day and how helpful they are uh, to keep me using them I've used text expander for years and years now and I just love it uh the good thing is Text Expander is available on Mac, it's available on Windows, on Chrome, on iPhone, and on iPad. And guess what, folks? You, as a Clockwise listener, get 20% off your first year. Just head to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander and the incredible team at Smile for sponsoring this show and making my life a little easier. All right, time for the bonus topic. I want to know really quick, which fictional vehicle would you drive, fly, operate if you had the chance? Flo? George Jetson's uh, whatever space car. Nice. The um, invisible boat mobile uh, from SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) Uh, I'm in a two-way tie between the DeLorean and Mm -hmm. Kit because I do like things that you can talk to that actually work. And I like time travel (laughs) and the doors. Uh, I would pick the Millennium Falcon because, of course, I would. (laughs) All right, that is all of our show for today. All that remains is to thank our fantastic guest this week. Florence Ion, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. And Lex Friedman, thanks so much for joining us. Dan said you were only thanking your fantastic guests, but you're still welcome. (laughs) All right, Micah, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.